Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for being here today. I know that uh, it is this extended July 4th holiday weekend, and uh, thank you for making this service a part of your weekend. I hope you have a great time together, maybe with friends and family. As uh, Brennan mentioned, we are actually starting a uh, new series called Questions Jesus Asked. It's interesting to me that uh, Jesus never asked a question that he didn't know the answer to. Think about that. It's amazing. In some ways, they were all rhetorical, but they were used on purpose to help us think, to help us sort of engage, to encourage us, maybe even to challenge us. And so I hope over these next seven weeks, uh, as we explore some of these questions, that it might be encouraging to you. Maybe it's going to be challenging to you, um, but I hope that you'll come and and explore these uh, together. The question that I'm asking today or looking at is, do you want to get well? And that's found in John chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at that story in just a minute. But one thing that I would say that as when I said that I wanted to teach on that question, um, I did believe that, um, you know, the answer to that question is more than just the Captain Obvious yes, right? (laughs) It's like, uh, yes, of course. Of course we want to get well. I mean, of course I want to be well physically. Of course I want to be well emotionally and financially. In every kind of way, I want to be well. But I, I think that there's something more going on there to that question. And so we're going to be looking at that question a little bit. Uh, the one thing that I didn't know when I said yes to wanting to teach on that question was the impact of this weekend on that very question, do you want to get well? Um, for us and our family, it's actually uh, Giselle's 10th anniversary of being diagnosed with breast cancer. And so um, yesterday, she sent out a text to our family and some friends that she prayed in. She gave me permission to share just a little bit about that. But she wrote this, and I thought it was just a good reminder. Do you want to get well? Well, today, July 1, that was yesterday, is a day of remembering for me, and I wanted to share. Ten years ago today, on my journey with a breast cancer diagnosis, I had mastectomy surgery. The beautiful and bold words found in Philippians 1, they say this, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. She said in these verses were a place, they, they, the bold and be- beautiful and bold verses um, were a place I went to ask God for sufficient courage. It speaks of with the help of the Holy Spirit because I needed it. How true that still is. I'm incredibly grateful to God to have encountered cancer a decade ago and to have been able to walk away from it. So when Jesus asked, do you want to get well? The answer is yes, but we had no idea entering into that journey what that would all entail, the uncertainty of the future. And so I want to read John chapter 5, and we're going to read the context of of that question. But there's a couple things to keep in mind, and I think it will help us read this section. There's really two parts Two parts to this, this story. 
The first part is this encounter that Jesus has with a paralytic man outside of this pool, Bethesda, okay? So we're going to read about the encounter, and he asks this question. The second part is actually this obsession that the, the religious rulers, leaders of the day, had about Jesus' identity. Who is this guy? Because he was saying and doing things that equated himself with God. Okay? So part one is encounter. Part two is this kind of strange kind of obsession. Who is he? Who is Jesus? Okay? Let me read from John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there and been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So let me just pause. This is the encounter portion of this text. And, and it's an amazing sort of context. So Jerusalem had a wall around it. It was for protection. Many of the cities of that day had walls. And the walls had different gates or entrances. So the sheep gate was actually on the north side of Jerusalem. It was where the shepherds would come with their sheep, and they would bring sheep to be sacrificed at the temple. Okay? So that's where they were. And near there, archaeologists have found a place where there were actually two pools called Bethesda, which literally means house of mercy. And that's where these people who were desperate, the lame, the, the sick, they would go. It was like their last chance for hope. Because they believed that an angel of the Lord, when the water was disturbed, an angel of the Lord was actually stirring the water. And if you got to the water, into the water, you could be healed. And so Jesus kind of encounters this man who's been dealing with condition for 38 years. Okay, so we have this encounter. It's all good, right? You would think. A lame guy gets healed. Well, this is what it says. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. That was a no-no. <laughs> and so the religious leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Strange rule. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So I'm not to blame. Just blame him, right? <laughs> so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Now, that's kind of interesting to me. He just healed you. You've been struggling with this for 30, and you don't know this guy's name. I mean, that's fascinating, right? I have no, had no idea who he was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. It's kind of an interesting comment. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. 
In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. There's the crux, right? This obsession with Jesus' identity. So, as we study this question, do you want to get well? There's a couple of of assumptions that I think we need to take from this reading. I think what John was trying to help us understand, just for a moment. And the first one is this, that the identity of the one asking the question matters. Or maybe I should say the authority of the one asking the question really matters. Now, let me give you an example of that. So, um, the other day, I I went into Shields. I had a particular product that I was looking for, okay? And uh, I couldn't find it, and I was kind of wandering around. And there was this nice young man who came up to me and said, hey, uh, are you finding what you need? I said, no, can, can I help you find what you need? And I told him what I needed. And uh, he said to me, he said, well, to be honest with you, I just started like 10 minutes ago. I don't have a clue. But I can call my manager, he said. And so he did that. So he called the manager, and he didn't come the manager, Right? So the manager said, hey, can I help you? And I said, yes. And I, he said, well, what, what do you need? And he said, okay, that's right over here. He took me right over to that place. And as a matter of fact, it was gone. Okay? So he got on his little walkie-talkie thing or whatever they do. And he, he's looking on his phone. And he says, hey, um, customer needs this product. It says we have 14. Can you give me a... And, and it was like, it was amazing, Right? Out of thin air, this person walks and hands me this product. Because the manager had the authority and the experience and the ability to actually answer the question and to respond, right? He could do something about it. So I think part of this whole conversation with the Jewish leaders, John is trying to point something out to us. The one who asks the question, do you want to get well, is the same one who's doing things and saying things that equates himself with God. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The identity or the authority of the one asking the question really matters, doesn't it? In fact, just before this story... There's a story of this, this official who comes to Jesus desperate because his son is dying. And he says, Jesus, would you just please come? And, and Jesus said, why should I come? Well, because my son is dying. Go, your son is well. And as a matter of fact, he healed him. Just speaking a word. So, the first assumption is this. That the one whose authority, authority of the one asking the question really matters. And that one, his name is Jesus, and he's doing things and saying things that equate himself with God. That's important to remember. Okay? That's the first assumption. Here's my second assumption. That Jesus, that actually John wrote this in such a way that we would enter into the story. 
that we would read it ourselves and that we would actually read it through the lens of our own sort of personal struggle. That we might actually enter into like this paralytic guy just for a moment. And we would picture this guy kind of running across the pool deck, you know, coming and and seeing me, you, and then looking you directly in the eye and saying, do you want to get well? Who is this guy? Well, because that matters, doesn't it? But it also sort of opens up the floodgates. <laughs> Maybe it's not just a physical ailment that we're dealing with. It's not limited to that. In fact, for some of us, that may be the least of our struggles. What are you struggling with? Maybe you're struggling emotionally. Maybe you're angry or depressed or confused or feeling alone. Maybe you're struggling relationally with a family member, a spouse, children, I don't know, co-workers, a neighbor. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you're, you've got some unhealthy attachments or even addictions. Maybe you've got an unhealthy relationship with food or work or some device. And Jesus comes and looks you in the eye and he says, do you want to get well? Now that's a loaded question to me. And maybe it's a little harder to answer than what we first thought. <laughs> In fact, uh, well, I was doing, uh, I was online with a group of guys. Um, we've been meeting for a long time, but uh, my friend, I, I, I told him this week, I said, hey, you need to help me with my sermon prep. So um, I read this story to them. And I said, what do you think about when, when you hear that, do you want to get well? My friend, he's just like, right now, yeah, I want to get well, but maybe not too well. I mean, it's fair. I mean, that's, that's, he's being honest in some ways. You see, if we're going to say yes to Jesus' question, here's what I think is required. The first thing that I think is required is Courage. You're going to need courage to answer that question. You may have to face your own fears. In fact, it will first require some vulnerability. You may actually have to acknowledge that you need help, that you have a problem and you need help. And that's not an easy thing to do. A willingness to examine myself, admit a weakness, say, I've got this problem. At some level, this part of my life is out of control. Do you want to get well? You know, in Giselle's case, I know that when she got this diagnosis, it was the fear of the unknown. 
We had no idea. Yeah, we wanted to get her well. I didn't know all that was going to happen. So there was a lot of fear. We didn't know what was going to be required. All the tests. It ended up being a couple of surgeries. Thankfully, it was, it was a stage zero cancer, so it was very early on. Many of you have been on that kind of a journey. And to say, oh, wow, I just got this diagnosis. Do I want to be well? Yes, but I'm not sure I want to go through all of that. I don't know what that means, right? In my own experience, I'll call it my descent into darkness. I had so walled off that part of my life because I was absolutely terrified of the consequences. And I was convinced, like this man at the well, there was no one to help me. I believed a lie that no one was trustworthy or safe enough. And I just couldn't imagine, because I'm such a people pleaser, that if somebody heard my story, what would they think of me? If I was really honest. What would be the consequences? In my own narrative, I kind of grew up in this idea, with this idea that really I'm responsible. I needed to go it alone. In fact, I need to kind of pick up my own bootstraps. In some ways, I was that, that invalid. I have no one. And it's on me to figure it out. And yet Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? Standing right in front of him. Standing right in front of me. Over the last few years, I've learned uh, a bit about the 12-step in the recovery movement. And um, I learned about the, the founders, Bill W. and Dr. Bob Smith. They were raging alcoholics. And Bill W. was learning about, he hadn't really formulated the 12 steps yet, but he was learning about this, these practices that were helping him. And one of them was actually talking about his problem with a group of trusted others. And Dr. Bob came across his path, a medical doctor from Ohio. And Dr. Bob thought his own condition was personal, private, and hopeless. Saying yes to this question, do you want to get well, will require vulnerability, will require sort of assessment, will require honesty, and ultimately, I think, courage. Courage. You risk moving from isolation into community. You risk moving from darkness into light. 1 John 1 talks about this. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, who? He. He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Just come clean. To say yes requires a deep honesty with self, with God, and a few trusted others. One thing that I wrote, I said, when you're going through a deep personal struggle, you can often feel like you are living in a no man's land, convinced that there is no place 
or no one that is safe or trustworthy. And I believe that to be a lie. But I believed it. So, to say yes to Jesus' question, do you want to get well? Will require courage. It will also require surrender. When you're at the end of yourself, you're acknowledging that you're not in control of the outcomes. That this part of my life, I've developed all of these patterns and I can't get over it. And you become dependent upon one greater than yourself. Who has the power and the authority to do something you cannot do. Are you willing to surrender yourself to that person? You know, I've been in group situations where we're trying to build community, you know, and build trust. So, anybody ever done the trust fall? Yeah. You know, you start with a partner, you know, and and they lean back and you kind of catch them, you know, and then you do the same and they catch you and then ultimately you get to a place where Hopefully you're building some trust. And then you get up on the table, right? And the crazy fools get up there, right? And what do they do? They just fall back. The idea is that my people are going to capture me. I'm trusting them. The one who is standing before you saying, Do you want to get well? I promise you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You may have to surrender. I have good friends. In fact, the guy who said, yeah, I want to get well, but maybe not too well. He's been in recovery for about 25 years. In fact, he came upon an anniversary just recently, and he was telling me about that. And one of, what he did for his anniversary is he would drive to a place, this seedy kind of hotel, the way he described it, where he would have these binges. Drugs, alcohol, you name it. And uh, he would drive there. And he said, mostly I'm sad. And then I become grateful. But he said, I, I got to tell you, for the first 10 or 15 years that he did that, there was this sort of euphoric feeling of like, the thrill. He said, not this time. You know, sometimes we have to surrender because what we've developed patterns and ways of living that we're having to let go. There is a death of a way of life and a willingness to kind of pursue a different way in order to be well. That requires surrender. I mean, Anybody that's gotten in shape or tried to lose some weight or do anything, you know that, right? Or how about the guy who is a workaholic? You think about that. He's got tremendous success on the outward side of things and and moving through life. And the man who's large and in charge or woman, whoever it may be. And yet, they're destroying relationships closest to them, or they're dying inside because they're totally attached to their work. If they were to give that up, 
What does that require? A whole new way of life? That, that requires courage and it requires a lot of surrender. Let me also say this. I believe this question, when Jesus is standing before this paralytic and when he's standing in front of us and he says, do you want to get well? I think it's also a question that is a gateway to grace. Notice Jesus is the one who goes to him, who sees him, who eventually heals him, despite his answer. I mean, he's like dodging the question almost. And yet, Jesus heals him. He initiates. It's like this principle of grace. And it's something that we need to remember. Look, God's not looking for you to get your act together and then you can come to him. He just said, come. And together, we can get your act together. <laughs> and it's going to be a journey. That's salvation. It's not like I have to get your, your act together. You have to get your act. I don't have to get my act together. No. He provides grace. He initiates. He comes. And what's interesting to me that he actually seeks him out again. And he finds him in the temple and he says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Look, friend. I made you well. Trust me. It's a gateway to grace. And it changes his life. Okay. Challenge. Here's my challenge. Three things. Number one. Can you, sometime when you're fishing or by the boat or on the deck or just hanging out by yourself, can you spend some time and be really honest with yourself? What area of your life would you like to get well? If you don't know, maybe you want to ask someone. Maybe you could ask them, what, what, what might I do to become a better version of me? That would take courage. I, I don't know if I would want to ask you that, Giselle. But maybe, maybe we need it. The other thing is, can you imagine yourself in the story and seeing Jesus coming for you? And seeing you and putting his hands right here, looking you in the eye and saying, do you want to get well? Can you receive that invitation as one of love, as one of grace? Can you just receive that? And then third thing, okay? Can you have the courage to join with some others?
who are longing for more growth and healing in their lives. Let me just tell you a quick story. In, in Grundy, uh, this past year, we had three different groups actually exploring the 12 steps. Most of them had never heard of the 12 steps. They didn't even know what it was. I mean, and they didn't really have the connection of, of chemical addiction. It's just a trellis. It's a, it's a tool for growth and healing. What if you were to join something like that? What if you were to enter into that with conversation with just a few others and said, I need to get well. I want to get well. I don't even know how, but, but I'm willing to kind of go on this journey to learn. I would pray for the courage that that would take for you. And if you don't know where to get connected, you come find me. Info at orchardhillchurch.org. Ask for Brian. Love to talk to you about it. But let me pray. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. For, I want to pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for this um, amazing story and this incredibly challenging question in some ways. Do I want to get well? Yes, but maybe not too much. That's my answer, Lord. Uh, but I'm learning. I'm learning how to surrender more and more. And God, I think about the person who's in this room, who's feeling isolated, who maybe needs some extra courage to come out from the shadows and say, you know what, I need help. I want to get well. God, would you grant them courage and grace and freedom? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.